WFIU Bloomington, Indiana, where you don't need to be an expert if you learn something new every day. Never let it be said that Ernie Pyle didn't like visiting home back in Dana, Indiana. But sometimes a visit home can cause a person to want to run out the back door screaming. The roads of home have old grooves that are meant to catch a tire and throw you in a ditch. For Ernie, his parents were a moral anchor tied around his neck. He and Jerry were no longer country people. They were of the big city now, with big city responsibilities and a big city routine. He never let his parents forget it either. A visit home was always brief, with a lot of time spent alone writing. They didn't stay long enough to fall back into old habits, or to let regrets and confessions spoil the moment, or to let his folks feel sorry for themselves about such things especially his mother. Hello, I'm Ernie Pyle, the Hoosier Vagabond, and this is that girl who rides with me. Here we go again. Welcome to the Ernie Pyle Experiment, Episode 3, The Snake Story. Let's listen in as Ernie introduces the recording machine to his folks. So what? What do I? What am I even looking at here? Maria, Maria, listen. Put your lips on the thing there. No, don't put your lips on anything. What am I supposed to do? Just talk. Just say something like it weren't even there. Well, that doesn't make any sense. It takes getting used to. You say we can hear ourselves talking? <laughs> yes, in a minute. Just keep talking. I can't hear anything. I don't like it. That was not me. Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> Who else would it be? Well, I don't know. I'll be. Will? Will, is that what I sound like? Well, sure. But I'm a little concerned about who that old man was talking to. Well, I'll tell you, I don't oh, like it. I'm that. with you, Mom. It's a pain in the neck. Well, a person ain't meant to hear themselves like that. Well, it's a future. It sure is something. I just don't see the practicality well, of something like Well, I think like folks that. might like to hear what each other has to say. Since when? Yeah, since when? <laughs> Mom, don't touch the knobs. Don't touch the... What am I supposed to do? Just talk. Just say something like it weren't even there. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that is not me. It's just not me. Where the heck did you get this? Uh, that's one of the sons muckety muck big thinkers in scripts. <laughs> Does that sound like me? Do I really sound like that? You sort of do, Maria. Yeah. yeah. Well, why didn't anybody ever say anything? I sound like a squirrel in a hole. <laughs> That monkey monkey's some kind of genius. Yeah. I don't like one bit. That's something like that. Not one bit. And you're not doing it again, are you? Mom, please don't touch the machine. Well, it's moving, so I know you're doing it again, too. Nobody's doing that. No, no, you're doing it to yourself if you just stop talking. No, I've tried that. I've been saying it for years. Oh, well. Hey, please calm down. Oh, hey, let me hear myself again. What is it, Mom? What happened? Well, I just don't understand why nobody ever told me. I sound like a mean old crow. Turn oh. that thing off. Maria, come back. 
Well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Got something for you. you want some? Well, say, sure. So you're still a drinking man, I suppose. I suppose. So you got this to keep me in the house then? I know nothing of what you say. <laughs> Drink up. Hey, well, look at this. This is Granddad's cherry pie. It's going around. I know it. It's very good. Bobby stopped by earlier. Word got out he'd be here, you know. Oh, I bet. We need to skip before they come back. Your mom sees this in the house. I'll get into trouble. <laughs> she doesn't know Bobby stopped by yesterday. He had to park out behind the barn, and I met him there for the transaction. <laughs> I hide in plain sight here because she knows all my hiding places out in the barn. <laughs> Your mother hates to bake, so I put it behind a bag of flour in plain sight. I used to hide it behind a molasses jar. We both ate molasses, and that jar hadn't moved in 25 years. But she found it. So I know that's the first place she'd look uh -huh. if she saw Bobby Webster come oh, by. Oh, sure, sure. Come on, you can drink this out in the barn. Yes, yeah, let's go. They're gone. You you want a little sneak drink? What? I'd love a little sneak drink. Well, don't you dare tell Ernest. I never tell him anything anyway. I think you might like this. I hide it behind the molasses or Will would find it. He hates molasses. Well, that's Granddad's cherry pie. Cheers! <laughs> Cheers! Aren't you having some with me? Oh, honey, you know I won't. But I knew you were coming, so... So you got it to keep me in the house. Oh, I'm not saying anything. Just enjoy it. I will. Well, anyway, how you know about Granddad's cherry pie? We saw Bobby Webster yesterday. Well, Bobby came by here yesterday. Will doesn't know it. I don't let him sell it to Will. Why not? He doesn't drink. But if it's around, he'll start inviting the neighbors over. You don't want the neighbors over? Oh, no. No, I just want to be at home. Nothing like getting to a moment of the day when you get to sit and stare out the window. Oh, maybe find a few moments without yourself making you think yourself isn't worthy of sitting there and staring out that window. Oh, no, Mom. Yeah, that you should be pulling your weight somewhere. <sighs> you have to let yourself into those moments. You have to steal them and hold them. And don't give them away so easily, because we don't let each other have them. Hmm. Whenever we see someone sitting there staring out the window, we judge them harshly for it. Whoa, they should be doing something. Boy, aren't they lazy. No. Yeah, and all that... And then that old judge comes out when we take a moment. Well, we're just too hard on ourselves, that's what. You let yourself have it, that's what I say. And if I have to work all day and I don't get to stare out any windows and Will invites the neighbors over and I have them swept the porch and dusted and straightened, well, forget it. I get Henri. And what do you mean you saw Bobby Webster yesterday? Yeah, that's right. But you didn't get in until this morning. Oh. Uh, fess up. We were here yesterday afternoon. Oh, so. <laughs> Let me get this straight. You never stay a day later when you come, no matter how I plead. The day you leave is set in stone. Oh, Mom. Well, when I could have had Ernie here on the day he said he'd be here and have a full three days with him, boy, 
Why would you decide to come to town and not come to the house right away as fast as you can? I don't do the driving, Mrs. Pyle. Oh, don't I don't do the driving, Mrs. Pyle, to me, Mrs. Pyle. You do the driving. You do the driving, don't you? From the passenger seat? From the passenger seat. I suppose, but Maria, he's composing. He stops us out by a nearby creek past town, the one he used to fish. Yeah, Mr. Webster's pasture. That's right. And when he starts composing, he'll walk around, talk to himself, and when he starts, I don't get in the way. He might ask me some questions, maybe a definition or word or something like that. He tries other things out on me once in a while, turn of a phrase or whatnot. Well, when he used to be a copy editor back home... This is back home. Well, when he was a copy editor, that meant that he had to come up with these headlines on everybody's stories. And I used to help him with that. That was fun. Offbeat cop, drum's wife, stuff like that. That was mine. It's good, right? So much fun. (laughs) Well, whose team are you on? You should have steered him here. You know how it is. He gets here and he forgets about writing. Well, he should. Well, for a time at least. I got ways to make him work when I need him to, you know. I can get him to write here, too. I know. He can write here. I know. So I don't want to hear it. Anyway, have you thought about where you're going to end up when all this moving around gets old? Well, he does. I don't think about it too much. He wants to move back here sometime, doesn't he? Um, Well, I've got some ideas on that. There's a place on the other side of Dana with 200 acres and all the sheds, coops, and lean-tos one would need. You don't say. Why not? He can write here just as well as anywhere else. True, but the whole job, Mom, is predicated uh. upon us being out on the road in America. Uh. Remember? A story, different place each time. No, but everybody needs a home to come back to, to keep your stuff, your winter clothes and you Have a place in Washington, Mom. Well, now look. I've been thinking about that. Washington is all the way on one side of America. And you and Ernest drive all over, north, south, east, and west. Well, don't you? Wouldn't it be nice to have home be located dead center? Well, don't go getting logical on me. And then there's the old Wilkerson place on Parkwood Avenue. It has two stories and a carriage house, big enough for a family. <laughs> and the carriage house can be made into an office for Ernest to write in. That way the kids would stay out kids? of his way. Well, or one. Just one is fine. Yeah. Oh, I get it. In town is too close. <sighs> Heck, there's Montezuma if you don't want to be too close. There's a whole bunch of homes I'm for sale. I'm not ready. Not ready? I'm just not ready to do the dishes. Oh, are you judging me now? What? Don't worry about those. Will was supposed to get them. Here, I'll get to them. No, not now. I mean ever. Oh, sure. Sure, I can hear you judging me. Oh. It's 9 o'clock and she hadn't done her You dishes. can leave him to rot for all I care. Left for who? It's the idea of the thing, Mom. Well, I know the idea. But you have to have both. You work, you rest. You want to be at rest all the time? It's not that I want to be at rest. It's that I, I don't want to be at work. Oh, you. <laughs> Here, let me help you. I can practice. Oh, when's the last time you did dishes? Mm, I don't know if I can answer that. I don't rightly know. Well, then sit. I can't have you breaking anything. As you wish. I hate doing the dishes. See? You understand me. I ain't supposed to admit that, though. Don't you know anything, girl? I do. I just don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I'd rather drive a team of horses in the field than cook a dinner. Uh, Will had a pretty good idea one time when we got married. He said, if I do the cooking, he would do the dishes. Well, since it's nothing to boil up some onions, carrots, and green beans with meat in it, I said yes. (laughs) So we shook on it. 
then he started pining for his mother's cooking, roasted chicken, meatloaf, fried chicken, mm. cracklings, dumplings, Mm-mm. and pies and cakes, too. Oh. Heck, fire, you get in here with all that. I'll raise chicken. <laughs> I love to raise chickens, and I hate to bake cakes. So I made the roasted chickens and the meatloaf and the fried chicken and the darn dumplings and cracklings. I'd even cook spinach and butter and leave it on a little too long. Brussels sprouts? <laughs> I'd cut them in half and fry them with just not enough grease. <laughs> Excellent. Hard-boiled milk for the heck of it too once and let it evaporate. Oh, out. no. Yep. Next thing you know, Will's complaining to me about all the dishes he has to do. And why do I have to burn the bottom of every pot pan and skillet in the house every time I cook? <laughs> oh, he got used to boiled onions and potatoes real fast. I bet he did. Still all told, I think he got the better of that handshake. <laughs> Don't they always? Yeah. Strange. How we want to rest when we're working. And when we rest, we can't think about nothing but working. I think you've escaped this fundamental predicament. Now you know. You know... Maybe you're on to something. I don't know. When I was young, I'd have had nothing to do with you. Well, now I think with the world changing like it is, and a day of work gets you just another day of work, what am I doing this for? Mm -hmm. I tell you, I like to do this now. Sit here and talk. If you and Ernest were nearby... I'll talk to him, Mom. How's that? Will you? Yes. I'm the one made Ernest so ambitious. I made him hate farm work. I made him feel like the whole world would end if he didn't get the chores in. I'd threaten him with a switch. I only had to whip him a few times, though. He learned. He certainly works hard now, Mom. There was one time I whipped him for the worst of reasons. A little boy. A baby, almost. He got scared, and I thought it was how you're supposed to raise boys. Put the fear of God in them so they won't be so scared all the time. (sighs) What a backwards way. What a backwards way. I whipped him. I whipped him without getting the whole story. That sweet boy. That sweet, sweet boy. Dollars to donuts. They're talking about you. Hey, no talking about me. Ernest, do you remember the time I whipped you because you wouldn't walk through the weeds? Oh, boy. And the horses are approaching the gate. Let me tell you the story. I better put my apron on, though. This machine running the whole time? What? Sure enough, Mom told her story. The one that everyone had heard before and many times over to boot. But there was just something about that story that needed some context. That would be Ernie's side of things. He went and attached that side to it later that very night. Would you listen to this for me? Go ahead. There's another impression that has come up with me out of childhood. I have a horror of snakes that verges on the irrational. I'm not afraid of being killed by a snake. It isn't that kind of fear. It's a horrible, unnatural mania for getting away. And it is induced equally by a six-inch garden snake and a six-foot rattler. Ask my mother. She'll tell you the snake story, probably. 
In all the years, she's never failed to tell it over again when I come home on a visit. I was a little fella, maybe four or five. My father was plowing at the far end of our farm, half a mile from the house. I was walking along behind the plow, barefooted, in the fresh soft furrow. He had just started the field and was plowing near a weedy fence row. Red wild roses were growing there. I asked my father for his pocket knife so I could cut some of the roses to take back to the house. He gave it to me and went on plowing. I sat down in the grass and started cutting the roses. Then it happened in a flash. A blue racer came looping through the grass at me. I already had my horror of snakes at that tender age. It must have been born in me. I screamed, threw away the knife, ran as fast as I could. Then I remembered it was my father's knife. I crept back over the plowed ground till I found it. He had heard me scream and had stopped. I gave him the knife and started back to the house. I approached the house from the west side where there was an old garden. It's all grown up in high weeds. I stopped on the far side and shouted for my mother. When she came out to see what I wanted, I asked her to come get me. She said I should come on through by myself. I couldn't have done that if it had killed me not to. She ordered me to come through, and I began to cry. She told me if I didn't stop crying and didn't come through, she would whip me. I couldn't stop, and I couldn't come through, so she came and got me, and she whipped me. One of the two times I believed that she ever whipped me. That evening when my father came in from the fields... She told him about the crazy boy who wouldn't walk through the weeds and had to be whipped. Then my father told her about the roses and the knife and snake. It was the roses, I think, that hurt her so. My mother cried for a long time that night after she went to bed. It has been more than 30 years since that happened, but to this day, when I go home, my mother, sooner or later will say, do you remember the time I whipped you because you wouldn't walk through the weeds? Then she'll tell me the story, just as I've told it here. And along toward the end, she always manages to get the hem of her apron up around her eyes, just in case she needs it. And she always does. Why'd you want to make me cry? You crying? Maybe. Well, good. You like it? Maybe. Just maybe? Of course I like it. Mm-hmm. You need my approval. Maybe. Just come to bed before I whoop you. Next time on the Ernie Pyle Experiment. Well, my mother said we had. Man said we hadn't. So, my mother went and got the money, opened the screen door, and threw it in his face. He never came back. You don't want to start anything with me right now. Your mother was just here. Was she now? Nagging me about being on perpetual vacation. Ernie, your mother said you'd be in town. She's the one to tell most of my secrets to, Phil. I believe you. That woman is a saint. That's a myth. Now, why would you say such a thing? Well, I just have the whipping switch scars to prove it. 
Now, the only myth is that she's a legend, doggammit. And that's a myth worth propagating, isn't it? Remember the time she threw that wad of dollars at the liniment uh, man? Yeah, I sure do. She's a righteous woman. Oh, you don't say. See you next week, folks. Until then, I'm Dan V. Prescott reminding you that the good road will never end if you can only stay on it. The Ernie Pyle Experiment was created by Michael Brainerd with a little help from the great Ernie Pyle. Episode 3, The Snake Story. Jerry Pyle was played by Greta Lind. Ernie Pyle, Michael Brainerd. Maria, Mom Pyle, Kate Braun. Dad, Will Pyle, Andrew Bowen. Dan V. Prescott, Tim Grimm. Carry On and On, Peter Spellos. Executive Producer at WFIU, John Bailey. Sound Director, Script Editor, and Co-Executive Producer, Russell McGee. Writer, Director, and Co-Executive Producer, Michael Brainerd. Sound Design, Jesse Brewer. Composer, Ryan Chase. Music Assistant, Francis Crichon. Foley Artists, Brian Barnes and Nicholas Crone. Production Assistants, Brian Barnes, Chancellor Edmiston, Jason Fruits, and Nicholas Crone. A very special thanks to the Ernie Pyle Legacy Foundation, promoting the life and work of the great Ernie Pyle. Another special thank you to the Media School at Indiana University. The Ernie Pyle Experiment was produced at WFIU on the campus of Indiana University. Find past episodes wherever you access your media at WFIU.org. WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana. A short editorial from Carrie O'Nanon. This is Carrie O'Nanon. Recently, one of her own, Carrie O'Nanon, has been harassed on the streets of Bloomington, Indiana by young kids, some college students too smart for their own good, and an old man on a bicycle. And carry on and on, they called out to him. Well, we here in the newsroom have it on good authority and popular opinion for this to be a cheap heckle and not funny by any modern standard. Carrie O'Nanon wishes for this to stop and for such childish antics to be questioned. Why have we Bloomingtonians stooped to such a level where I have to work with Russell McGee on a daily basis? <laughs>